again, and welcome to another episode of Marriage on a Tightrope. I'm Alan. And I'm Katie. And I'm sick. And you are sick. Oh, I'm supposed to say we're still married. We are still married. Isn't that great? Not only are we married, we are not alone. We are joined by a just our best friends that we met three minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> Nick and Chelsea Homer, thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks yeah, for having us. For, for those that are familiar, if you're, if you're in the hip scene of mixed faith Mormon marriages, Nick and Chelsea Homer, those names may ring a bell. Uh, can uh, you... I'll tell them where I first heard. Oh, you go. I read Chelsea's article on, um, L- was it online? LDS.org. The LDS. Yeah. Org. That's how I first knew about her. And then, I mean, since then, you guys have done a few things. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. Um, (laughs) So I guess, well, our first um, public post was when we blessed our daughter, our baby girl. So that was the first, like, transparent post that I just kind of, I I don't know, I gave some details about our situation and um, the messages started coming in and then I got asked to do an Instagram post for the church and it just came out of nowhere and I didn't really expect. <laughs> and it was a friend of yours who yeah. works at the church. Yeah. yeah. So she's like, do you know what? We're trying to feature um, different like issues in the church and we'd really appreciate it if you'd write like a little post for us. So I wrote one and I didn't even think anything of it. Right. I just thought, okay, it's just going to like blow over. And we didn't, you didn't even know that it was going to be like the LDS Instagram, you thought yeah. it'd be like a side account because there's something. so many like offshoots of right, like other right. blogs and stuff. So, anyway, I found out the day of that it was like the official LDS church Instagram handle um, that was posting, and so yeah, I shared it and they tagged me. And within like 30 minutes, I got so many messages that they're like, We're untagging you, this is out of control, and it just like <laughs> took on a life of its own. Yeah. It was crazy. No, so it just like was received really well, and I was shocked, like so shocked. Um, I hindsight, they told you that it was the second most was it most viewed or most shared, most interactive, yeah, post that they've ever had. There was there was uh, Tom, Thomas S. Monson passing away, and then it was yours was the second. So and it wasn't it wasn't like it's because it was us. I think it just the message resonated with so many people. This topic of uh, mixed faith marriages and the kids and parents and people leaving the church and um, leaving loved ones behind, so to speak. So anyway, the church asked me to elaborate a little bit and create a blog post. And so I thought, okay, most people have like seen that. This will just be kind of just like a little bit more detail, but they posted it on Facebook too, which, you know, is like a whole different demographic than Instagram. And so that one um, posting that blog post was really crazy. Uh, we got a lot of, um, response to that more negative than the first time. And so, mm-hmm. but still, I'd say overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly positive, positive yeah. but um, much more critical. And that one, I was like, Oh my gosh, let's like reel it in. Let's scale it back. Like maybe we shouldn't be so public about our, our journey because now things are getting personal and people are like criticizing how we're parenting. <laughs> My daughter's only like a year and a half. Like, <laughs> right. You no, know, there's, you know, so it just like got really personal really fast. So I'm guessing that's probably the post that you saw Katie. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. The blog yeah. post. Yeah. I think somebody actually, one of our listeners sent it to me and she's like, Hey, um, have you seen this? And I hadn't, and I read it and she's like that they would be really good to have on, 
the show. And I was like, oh, cool. And I read it and I loved it. And so yeah. anyway, I'm glad that we finally made the connection. Yeah, we, uh, we started the podcast within a couple of weeks of your post. It was right at yeah. the same time. So being thrown into that public spotlight, we've, for better or worse, we've been in the, in the frying pan with you. <laughs> separate frying pans about 40 miles apart. But, um, but yeah. you know, we've, we have jumped ahead quite a bit because we want to get to know you a little bit. Yeah. Um, we'd love to spend... Clearly, the, the focus of this podcast is to talk about the dynamics of a misfaith marriage, um, things that, <laughs> that you have found are, are super important, things that have been difficult, things that are yet to be experienced. Uh, but we, we absolutely want to know the people behind the marriage. So we'll spend a few minutes doing that if I'll shut up. Um, Nick, do you want to do you want to start and and talk a little bit about kind of your background of where you grew up and your favorite color and all that stuff? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a Utah boy. We, I guess I was born and grew up in that kind of avenues, you know, North Salt Lake area. And then we moved down to Riverton. I don't know, just always been a super straight arrow, super Mormony or lds or Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints-y kid. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And then I've always been a little engineer on the side. So I've always been building and blowing up stuff and and we've had a couple of little side ventures and businesses kind of relating to that, but I don't know. Like what? Oh, uh, um, yeah. Spent, we spent a few years right after we got married. Um, we, we got married and then we both quit our jobs almost like what that same like month. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I started a, a water jet pack company if you've seen where like you hook a fire hose. I remember going on your profile and seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you hook a fire hose in the back of a jet ski and you hit the gas and you fly up in the air. So we spent a couple of years doing that and manufacturing those. And doing then, lots of boat shows. And yeah. it was our life for a while. Wow. But, yeah. So I don't know. Stuff like that. We had a motorized couch that we would drive <laughs> on. And that's, Nick that's, was like a little Provo all-star. No, no, yeah, he was <laughs> with no, the couch. He no, was just no. known for like driving around campus, picking up girls on his motorized couch. And <laughs> That is hilarious. <laughs> that's awesome. So that was at, at BYU? BYU. At BYU. And what years were you there? I was there from 2004 to 2011 with a mission in between in uh, Brazil. And then, I don't know, I graduated, moved off, worked a little bit out of Utah, and then came back. And then for whatever reason, I was living back in a BYU singles ward with some buddies. And Chels was there. And, and my buddies and I had just bought a motorhome. And we're like in student housing. And we have this motorhome <laughs> that we put 40, 50 people in every other weekend and go on road trips. And I guess Chels wanted a motorhome. So she <laughs> decided to... Yep. <laughs> Married the kid who had one. Married the guy with the motorhome. You know, 10 years later, not 10 years, five years later, we have a motorhome again. We'll be. <laughs> not the same one. Not the same oh, one. No. But I think you should tell them a little bit about your childhood because I feel like that is super fascinating. Just oh, just from like yeah. a, an LDS perspective. Yeah. Oh, so and maybe we could get, I don't know. I guess this is context. We We were a very at the time it was not a bad word. So we were a very Mormon 
uh, family. Right. right. Um, in every way you could conceive, just, you know, P, you know, G and PG movies. And I never even tasted Coke until my mission when it was cleaner than water. <laughs> I remember I was, Chelsea never knew about this story until just a few days ago, but I was, I just had committed that I would, I like, I was the type, like if the, if the law is that you can't steal, like I'll never even go to, into a store. So I don't have the opportunity to steal, you know, like, so, um, I was a, the Lord of the Rings was huge when I was in high school and the third episode came out, the third movie and it was PG 13. And I just didn't even cross my mind. Like, Oh, it's PG 13, but of course I'm going. And I, up to that point had had a rule. Like I don't watch PG 13. Right. So I remember being in the middle. It, this is like midnight showing of Lord of the Rings with all my friends. And I start to have this like crisis where I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I didn't pray about whether I could watch this movie like, I, I just, you know, I put the fact that it's Lord of the Rings above my standards of PG-13, and I literally, like, put my head down and stared at my lap for the last hour and a half of Lord of the Rings, and I've never seen the last <laughs> hour and a half of Lord of the Rings, because I felt so bad that I was in a PG-13 movie without having, like, prayed or, like, I don't know. Wait, you still have never seen the last That's hour and a half? Seen. I don't know how it ends. So you've seen 90% of it. I'm pretty sure yeah. the math works out with how long that movie is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I'm sure it's 30. Movie date hours. night at our house next time. You're going to watch the last hour and a half. We're going to have the you race. over for, for yes. Love of the Rings. That's right. Yeah. Return of the King. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I, I mean, think that's a, an anecdote that typifies my, you know, never dated or kissed a girl before my mission. I don't know. I mean, so I got a video from his dad last Christmas of like video footage of Nick when he's like three or four with a little like missionary name tag trying to give the first discussion. Like it's definitely like Nick is or was as orthodox as any person I'd ever met. So like, it's just so interesting, yeah. you know, with his childhood and knowing so much about him. Yeah. With the situation we're in was definitely a surprise. Right. What happened? We'll get to it. Yeah. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Chelsea? Let's uh, let's start with your childhood leading up to meeting the motorhand, motor motorhome man. Motorhand. Right? Motorhand. <laughs> motor, <laughs> motorhand. That'll for shorthand. We'll, we'll use um, let's see. I come from a family of all girls, so I have three sisters and an identical twin sister, and we're just really, really close. We moved a lot with my dad's job, so yeah, we moved like ten times before. Um, high school. So we were just constantly just moving. So I just became really good friends with my sisters. Let's see, I went to Davis High School. So I'm a Davis start. That's in like the Farmington area. I don't know. Uh, my family, my parents are now divorced, um, but they got divorced after I graduated high school. I was like on seminary council, straight arrow as well. Um, maybe had like two bad thoughts in high school. Like I was just like, <laughs> just like trying to be the perfect person and were uh, either of them Lord of the Rings related either of the bad thoughts <laughs> oh no no okay no, I, I sure. yeah, Nick is like a whole new level he's extreme so um but yeah I went to BYU I met Nick on my last semester of BYU and we dated on and off for what two two years, two years or so um Nick wanted to get married before I did I was definitely 
hit miss. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did an internship for the church in New York after I graduated. And then Nick came to visit me for a few days. And he's like, if we're gonna get serious, maybe we should live in the same state. So that might be helpful. So I moved back. And we dated for like another year before I finally. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so yeah. That's awesome. And so you were married in 2014. Uh, is it creepy to say that I've been on the profiles and your wedding pictures are beautiful? Oh, thank you. I did see your wedding pictures today. Just pure bliss, happiness. Nick, wonderful smile. I feel bad for everyone not on this, on this call. (laughs) Can't see the smiles. That's great. (laughs) That's awesome. So, um, so you get married in 2014. It wasn't soon after that. Nick, how would you define it? I know some people don't like to use the phrase faith crisis or... Me describing my childhood, by the time you and I met, I would say I was not that Mormony. Um, but I don't know. I guess there were a few. There were a few things maybe that five years before, like I had a roommate uh, who came out gay and ended up marrying a man. And initially, when that happened, I felt so betrayed and just angry at him. How could you do this? You know, and and over time. And it, I guess it didn't take long to realize, like, oh, my gosh, like, he's so happy. I'm I'm actually so stoked that he got married. And then soon realized, like, oh, I'm in this position where I, you know, I'm okay. And I'm actually really happy with him being married to another man. And and so maybe a couple of years before Chelsea and I met, there had been a few little roadblocks like that where mm-hmm. where I'd said, like, okay, I'm I'm thinking something a little bit different than the church. But yeah, I, I guess in many ways it was a faith crisis. It, what it was the like, catalyst? Yeah, well, that was one of them, right? Yeah. But so about yeah. six months after you guys were married, right? It's, if, yeah. yeah, there are a few things like that. I don't know. I, I remember coming to Chelsea and feeling like my scripture study was feeling just a little like the same thing that it's been for the last 10 years. And I thought, you know, I'd love to dig a little bit deeper because you hear um, stories about church history that are repeated often, but you, you've never gone to the, the core source material. And so I remember telling Chelsea, like, Hey, like I've kind of been thinking and praying about how could I, I could like level up my, my uh, scripture study or gospel knowledge study. Um, and I remember being like, oh, like, I'd love to read um, Rough Stone Rolling by Richard Bushman, mm-hmm. which, uh, if listeners don't know, is, is a, a very, he's a, a scholar and a professor of history and, and is very well done. It's a faithful um, biography. Yeah. It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think it's faithful, but he also tries to, uh, you know, appeal or, or be objective, right? Yeah, be objective. You know, if you were a scholar who's not LDS, I think you could read it and say, I see how you came to that conclusion rather than like, whoa, he's completely erring on the side of faith. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember reading through that and very much feeling like, wow, this is, this is not the Joseph Smith that I grew up learning about or that I taught people about on my mission. I mean, I, I remember on my mission, people telling me that, you know, Joseph Smith was a, treasure digger or just little things that you're like oh no he wasn't like i know about joseph smith you don't know learning more about joseph smith uh he just became a much more complex character and it, it it's not i i think rough stone rolling is uh fantastic 
material for anyone in the church to learn. Um, and I wouldn't say it's, it's bad, but it's, I think whenever you hear a story about someone like, Oh, Abe Lincoln, like did this, 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 and was just the most perfect person ever. You, you think like, that's not the real truth. Like everyone has to have, you know, demons in their closet. And also, I don't know, everyone's more complex than right. we often tell the, the, the simple story of. Right. And so learning about Joseph Smith, uh, through rough stone rolling, I came to say, wow, this is a really complex person. It's not just a simple like, Oh, he was great. And prayed and boom, everything just happened. Perfect. Um, and I think that's probably what cracked my initial shell. Um, and allowed me to say, you know, wow, like I, I really want to dig into other things. And, and I don't know that I don't want to like list off a bunch of right, you know, right. things, but I, I guess it got me looking into looking into a lot of things that I guess, Previously, I'd maybe heard that, like, oh, there might be a problem with the Book of Abraham or, like, little things. But looking deeper into them, I guess that turned into, I guess, what initially wasn't so much of a crisis turned into a crisis pretty quick, probably a month or two in. Yeah. Um, I mean, he came to me and just said, oh, I have, I'm learning about these things and I have some questions and I want to do more research. And, I mean, I was supportive of that. And this, he was, like, his intention wasn't to not have a testimony. His intention was, you know, just to feel more at peace. And um, so I was supportive of that journey, but it was about six months where that, it, it just became obsessive. Like he was always listening to a podcast or he's on a Facebook forum or he's, you know, reading an article. And it was just like six months of unraveling. And it was so fast for me as the spouse witnessing um, I just like, I couldn't even grasp what was happening. And we would talk about things as he was learning about it, but like he was learning throughout the whole day and then he'd come home and talk about it. And, you know, like I, and just, I needed someone yeah. to be able to talk right. about it with, yeah. and it was hard to, I felt like I was using you as a punching bag. Yeah. I felt like that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Chelsea, did you, when he would come to you and like ask these questions or tell you what he had learned, like how, how were you? receiving it were you putting up the wall were you wanting to listen how like how did you feel um initially I was defensive obviously and just a little bit like okay this it's not a phase but like this will kind of blow over and then as I was seeing just how all-consuming it was for him and um I realized like this isn't going away and it's probably only going to escalate so I mean, our conversations at first were extremely heated and like no. short or like just ended with, I don't want to talk about this, you know, and we lived in a threeplex at the time and I'm sure our neighbors <laughs> could hear us, you know, cause it just got really heated and I was confused. He was confused. It was just a lot to take in, but yeah, I think it was the point of when he started telling a few other people other than me, I was realizing I'm not the only victim here. Like I saw how some people received this news from Nick that I realized, Oh my gosh, he's in a lot of pain too. And so, I mean, that really changed some of our conversations where yeah. I'm realizing that we're both grieving in different ways. Right. Can I read something from your blog post from sure, January 3rd? If you want. <laughs> it, it ties into this it does. exactly. And I know that, that the reason why you wrote the following, why well, I, I shouldn't prescribe to you why you wrote this, but, but um, I see and listeners have reached out to us. When I read this paragraph, 
I know that so many of them just crave to hear their spouse say something like this. So this is in Chelsea's words, and I won't do an impression. So it says, in time, I became genuinely interested in why Nick, whose origins are as orthodox as any, uh, more than mine when we were married, would sacrifice everything, including our relationship, in departing from the framework of Mormonism that he was brought up in, and that had resonated with him so profoundly for his entire life up till now. I could see the hurt and pain it caused him. He sacrificed a lot. So there must be something to it. I couldn't label him as being deceived and unintelligent. I knew that wasn't true. So I asked. I wanted to know. How long do you think it took you to get to that point to be able to, to say that? Because it's a process, right? It doesn't all come at once. A process. And sometimes it's hard talking, like, in hindsight, cause, like, you know, the timeline. <laughs> it all meshes together. And then you're like, I kind of want to mentally forget some of those really dark times and the, the really difficult yeah. tension. Um, but it was probably about a year. I was serving as young woman's president at the time. So that also added another layer of complexity where I felt like I was channeling all of my anger towards the church where Nick was gravitating away. So like that, I felt like we were going in two different directions and, um, but I mean, I, I mean, Nick is smart and I knew, like, I know Nick is smart. And so the thought of him being like, possessed by the devil never crossed my mind. I just, you know, like maybe I thought, Oh, the sources he's reading, they might not be great. And maybe we can like look into that and correct some of these things that he's learning. But I never thought like he's deceived. He's possessed by, a, you know, a, you know, and a lot of people do. And, and, right. and I'm not like trying to invalidate that feeling, but like for me, I personally never felt that. So that was helpful in getting to that bridging to that conclusion of I need to listen. Yeah. So what would your advice be if the believing spouse, for lack of a better term, the believing spouse doesn't want to know? Is there advice that you would give, give to, to that spouse, either of you? That's tough. Because uh, I mean, yeah, sorry, I won't answer my own question. Go ahead. (laughs) No, please answer the question. (laughs) I guess on my side, I mean, there was some, in my mind, I could feel, and I, I guess I'm someone who, you could you could come knock on my door and tell me something I didn't know and be like, oh my gosh, well, we got to change everything. To, like, I can, I can change really quick and with less friction than I would say probably most people. And so for me, learning, uh, I guess, a lot of stuff like this, in my mind, I was pivoting and saying like, okay, well restructure everything, you know, and and let go things and and embrace new things and try to make this work now. And uh, so I, I feel like if I had just dumped all of that on Chelsea immediately, that would have been a bigger bomb than our relationship probably could have handled at the time. And so, I mean, there definitely is strategy as like that sounds manipulative. As businessy yeah, as that sounds. When we got married, like I, especially getting married in the temple, like we both signed up for this lifestyle. LDS lifestyle mm-hmm. uh, and being very active. And I am the one who's changing that. And, and so it was definitely like, I know. And she just said, like, I wanted to talk about this all the time, but I also had to realize if she is saying, Hey, it's enough. Like I can't talk right now or, I don't want to talk about this at all for a while. Like I had to realize like I'm the one who's changing the deal mm-hmm. and I I need to be okay with whatever time frame she has rather than forcing stuff on her. Yeah. 
Um, and so going back to your question, I feel like, and I kind of touched on this in the blog post, but just validating is something that I feel like is really important. Well, I think first, before anything, I think really analyzing is this relationship worth the fight and the struggle because it's, you know, it doesn't just happen. You don't have this like one session of a big compromise. Like it's just compromise after compromise and, you know, lots and lots of discussions about it. So I realized, and I like, we talked about it because Nick, like was, like he said, was very apologetic almost with throwing this curveball. And he even put divorce on the table and just said, Hey, I know that this is not what you signed up for. This is, you know, and so that was nice for me to be like, okay, I understand that he knows what's, you know, what he's doing to our marriage. <laughs> and I wasn't saying I want a divorce, but I was saying if this is bad enough, yeah. you right. divorce right. me. Like I, I understand. Like I'm, yeah. So I think we decided together that yes, it's worth it. And so with that moving forward, I thought, what are ways that I can validate him? I, I can't listen to him talk, you know, extensively about some of the hardships with Joseph Smith um, for hours. Like that was really difficult. So like we set boundaries and I try to validate him in other ways or be supportive of him talking to good trusted friends. Um, those are some things that we did. Um, I don't know. And I'd say overall, Chelsea is the hero of our story. Um, I know that it is so hard, especially in our situation for the person in Chelsea's situation, you know, the person who's still faithful to say, you know, where, where everyone around you is saying that that person is deceived and that they're, you know, leaving everything that they know is true for Chelsea to step in. And it like, it took time, but for you to say, I want to know what you're learning about. I, I want to not, and not necessarily that, you want to know every little, you know, I don't know all the deep details, but you just want to know, like, if this is such a big thing for you and we're married, like you at least wanted to understand where I was coming from. Mm -hmm. And that made that, yeah, I felt validated. I felt like at least you cared enough to want to like listen through what is causing me so much grief. And that's where Chelsea gets a lot of messages from people who are going through this similar situation. And I think that's a barrier that a lot of people aren't able to get through, that they're worried that they they can't listen to their spouse because they might be convinced of, you know, I don't know. And that's hard because I, I mean, I have to be honest and say that my testimony doesn't look the same. You know, it just doesn't with after hearing all and reading and, and engaging in these forums, like it's just a matter of fact that like my testimony looks different. And for some people, that's not something that they want. And so... I don't know how to navigate a different path because I've never done it. But for right. us and our personalities, I just had to know what was taking Nick from this life that he knew and, and like sacrificing his relationship with his parents and his siblings and me. Um, like it, it was a big deal. And so I recognized that and I, I was interested. Yeah. Um, I want to, I mean, both you um, both mentioned like friends talking to friends or talking to family. Tell me what those relationships were like. And did you talk to them in the beginning? How long did it take you? I mean, how, how did that, did you have cheerleaders or supporters? I mean, how did that look for you? Um, we, we kept it to ourselves for a while. 
probably about a year. Yeah. As Nick was still like, he was changing every single day. Like, I mean, I went to girls camp and I came back and he was no longer eating chicken. He changes like, cause he was watching some documentaries. Yeah. He just adapts so fast that I'm like, like, I just need to breathe so, and process. And <laughs> so I was often, or you said a couple of times that like, like literally if you, if I came home from day one work and said like, did I say that right? If I came home from work one day, that's right. Um, <laughs> and if, if I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm Buddhist now and I'm moving to India that like, that feels like a believable scenario for you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I it's have shocking. to say, I, I like, I agree that the, the degree to which I throw curveballs, like, yeah, Chelsea yeah. definitely has kept on her toes. So to go back to the, the original question, I, I did have a good friend um, who was going through something somewhat similar and, and a very well thought out person. Um, and I guess up to this point, you hear so much in uh, the church that either it's true or it's false, either you're in or you're out. There, there really isn't a lot of language about, you know, being somewhere in the middle. And, and I felt that, that like, oh my gosh, if I'm perceiving that parts of this are not true, like, crap, I'm out. Like, you know, it, it, there just isn't an area that people talk about being in the middle. And talking to this good friend, he was just so well thought out about that. And, and really talking through it with him helped me realize, like, I don't have to, realizing that some things aren't true doesn't mean I have to now hate the church. I don't have to be preaching against the church or trying to convince other people to do to, to be where I am. And so there were specifically him, but a few other people as well that, that really helped. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. Being able to talk about it was great, but we still felt that it wasn't something like at this point, I still hadn't talked to my family right. uh, or any other friends. And it felt like something that kind of, yeah. you know, needed to be hidden, I guess. Yeah. And it's, it kind of came out with like, I was in ward council and people were wondering like, Oh, Nick is different. He looks different. You know, like all of these different things that they're like, what's going on with Nick? And I finally just felt like I just can't keep this facade going that like we're this perfect LDS couple. Cause you know, like it was just like, I would go to church and then come home and like, it just felt like we were in shambles and I felt like we weren't being authentic and it felt uncomfortable And so I finally, like, really encouraged Nick, like, can we at least just tell a few people so that I can feel like when we go to your house that it's not this weird. Or when someone asks you, like, oh, what what's Nick's calling in the ward? That you don't have to be like, well. He doesn't want to call in. You know, like, yeah. So um, I definitely pressured Nick. Yeah. And it was more you that, yeah, wanted to be, like, open with it. And I think also for the sake of I needed support, too. I felt, like, alone in this journey, and my whole world was falling apart, and I couldn't tell anyone because this was Nick's secret, right? So um, I just thought, I just, I need support. I need a few friends on my team that can just help, like, support me, and I don't need to, like, husband bash to them, but just, like, support me in, in this journey, and... So you started with your parents and a few close friends and it just slowly branched off from there. And then I told, told our whole social yeah, media. And then like posted on the church's Instagram. <laughs> and now it was like out. So you went to a few family members to the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anything you want to say about maybe, maybe not even reactions, if you don't want to share that, but 
about how you told you told family, particularly parents and friends. Of uh, what I gained from you, Nick, is that you're very thoughtful. You're very sensitive to um, the tone in which you you use words and the the way that you speak to people. So, any any advice you can give to people that are are looking to to tell family for the first time? I don't even know. I mean, I've, <laughs> it's the I've hard heard, one, right? I've heard so many different responses, you know, especially from family members where it's so sensitive. So I, it kind of came out, I, I wasn't quite ready. And my mom and, a, and a, my brother and I were talking one time about, I'm not sure if LGBT was the topic, but it kind of morphed into things. And then it, it just got where I was kind of pinned. And I, I kind of had to say like, well, I, I might not believe the same things as you in a lot of these areas. And, and that pretty soon uh, turned into a, a tear filled conversation, which was then got, you know, then we were back at my parents' house the next night and maybe the next night and talking a lot. And, and to their credit um, for as devastating of a blow as this was, I, I don't know. I, I feel like they handled it pretty well. Like it was a devastating blow, but it, I mean, every family's different. It went a few more weeks yeah. and maybe it was months. And then I, I wrote an email to all of my siblings and said, I'd love to follow up. And I've had follow-up conversations with most of them since then, but I don't know. I thinking, I do feel like my parents took it better than I thought they, cause I might have been murdered at that house. Like that was on. <laughs> I'm telling you, his expectations were so low. Right. Yeah. So I guess maybe the, Maybe the advice is like have some really low expectations because it's really hard. Yeah, I think some blanket advice again. Like I love what you said that uh, Chelsea, you've said it earlier, and and Nick, you just uh, mentioned it as well that you can't speak to any experience but your own. Yeah. yeah. Um. In my experience, talking to people that are still fully in, it seems like the closer they are to you, the harder it is for them. Uh, and the further away they are, the more accepting. in general, the more accepting or the more like, Hey, it's cool. I still love you, bro. Yeah. Um, so when talking to family, um, I had the most success when we kept the issues out of it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's like, look, this is where I'm at. I will never bring this up again. I loved your podcast um, episode on the Mormon marriages podcast. You, you mentioned this of like, I don't want you. I said something very similar to, all of Katie's siblings of if I'm sitting at the Thanksgiving table and you want to say how grateful for you, you are for the book of Mormon and Joseph Smith, do it. Don't edit yourself because I'm sitting there. I'm not going to be judging and shaking my head. Like I want you to express how you feel. Um, I'll never bring this up ever again. If you do want to talk about it, the door is open, yeah. but I will, I will never get into it with you anyway. Yeah, for sure. That's <laughs> Okay. So, Hey, I would love to move to, um, where you're at now. So, uh, it's 2019 <laughs> 20 PM on January 21st. Where are you, Nick personally, as far as let's speak specifically about your involvement with the church? Because one thing I've seen you say is just because you don't believe the way you used to, doesn't mean you're not Mormon. Uh, oh yeah. Sorry. You're not. I know. It's so hard to say because I feel like I am Mormon. Like that is. That's right. right, That is the culture. So from, from like a attendance, do you still go to church? Yeah. What is it? It's Monday. So yeah, yesterday (laughs) church, I was walking around the hallway with Ellie the whole time. So that, 
I mean, he'll usually go to Sacrament and then bounce with Ellie because it's conveniently her nap time during right. the day. But now with this two-hour block, it's, like, more convenient it's just to stay. <laughs> yeah. It worked. It worked. Look what you did. I know. I thought people <laughs> tell me that. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea and I were just talking about this maybe a day or two ago, but, like, I don't know. I feel like part of referencing, again, that I'm the one who's changed the equation um, and what, you know, what we originally signed up for in our marriage. And I hate the idea of, of her having to go to church alone and be, you know, sitting alone in, in church every Sunday. And so I'm happy to go. I'm happy. Like, it's fantastic for meeting all of our neighbors from the belief side of things. Uh, I, I'd say there's not, I really don't have any, I don't know anything that I believe in that is unique to the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I still believe in being honest and a good person and serving others. But yeah, I have people all the time or I'll hear of people talking about how I've left the church. And I'm like, man, I'm like still going to church every Sunday. So if I've left, like, I don't know. <laughs> right. What, but I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah, I'm it still, for sure does. Yeah, are, I, I guess, are there still moments where it's difficult to be there? Yeah, I mean, there are definitely times when we'll be in Sunday school and someone will be like, well, we all know about people who doubt because they start doubting because they never had a good testimony in the first place. And then, and, and I'm like, what are you like? And I really don't want to raise my hand and derail the whole lesson. So I just kind of sit there quietly and take it. And I, and I get like fuming inside. Um, He'll come home and we'll, we'll work through it. Yeah. <laughs> right. But uh, no, like, and, and I guess I said earlier, like there's still, there are, so many healthy ways to deal with the transition of faith or a complete loss of faith. Um, but at least for us, I've, I've really, and it hasn't been natural, I guess, but I've really tried to say, Hey, like I have so many good memories and I had such a good childhood bring, being brought up in the church. Like how can I still find goodness and a good influence in my life uh, through participating in some way with this culture and with these people and at least for now, uh, that's working great. And there are a lot of people in our neighborhood. You know, we're new in, like, the Murray area. And there's a lot of people who I know around who I otherwise would not know if I wasn't going to church. So just so we moved in, like, right when the church posted that blog post. And so we didn't have to out ourselves. I mean, we did out ourselves to everyone, but not, like, in person talking. So, like, we moved in and everyone's like, oh, that's the couple that – you know, they talk about it in ward council and we had visitors from the stake and stuff, but it was actually nice because everyone knew kind of where we were at and it wasn't this weird topic that there's, they just kind of accepted like, Oh, the fact that Nick is even in this building is awesome. You know? So like that, I think kind of helps a little bit with the transition of moving between wards. Cause I know that's hard to like start over and have to like reintroduce yourself to the bishopric and kind of explain your story and, so. Speaking of, I, I guess while we're on the topic of being in, in Murray in the ward, pretty soon after we moved in, there was a lady in the ward who's, a, I guess, a, a little bit older. I, I would never have guessed that she'd been in a situation like ours. And, and one afternoon at church, she hunted me down and she was being, t- like, I could tell she wanted to talk, but didn't. Anyway, she brought up that she'd read your post and had I don't know if there's a podcast to listen to at the time, but it, it familiarized herself with our story. 
And she was like, I'm in the exact same situation. And I've been in your situation for 30 years and I've never been able to talk about it. And I have I like her own kids oh know where she was with the church. And so seeing Chelsea being so open and, and there's like, oftentimes people like, why are you so open? Like, this is your thing. Like, like my it- mom's like, stop posting just keep it to yourself yeah. this is like a whole different generation <laughs> we we have the same parents there are so many parents. we have the same I think, parents i think that it's more than just coincidence it's just there's so many common themes that go with, yeah. with what we're experiencing right yeah oh my goodness it's so funny <laughs> i know when when i went through your blog post um it was like the words that I've said on the podcast before just were there on the page. It's, it's just so similar. And so I love that. And you guys are young and hip and we're old and married. (laughs) So it's nice to hear from like, it's, it's nice to hear like, like, even though we're, I don't know, probably 10 years older than you, like we still are going through the same things. Right. And I think that's a perk of just sharing because you realize, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. And this boat that we're in is just growing. And there's so many people that you just never know who are affected. But just sharing, like the commonalities, like you said, are just yeah. amazing. How similar. that's the secret, the secret selfishness uh, mm-hmm. or the secret self-serving desire to share is that's some, something we never anticipated. The whole reason why Katie wanted to start this podcast and be so open is to help other people feel like they're not alone. But what we end up founding is finding is, oh my goodness, we're not alone. Right. <laughs> how, how great it is to talk to all these people that reach out. And some of our best friends are people we've met on this podcast. What's up, J and P and B and J, <laughs> right? We don't use their names on the that's podcast. That's very, very <laughs> of you. Um, so, okay, um, Chelsea, let's go to you. Tell us where you're at with the church and how... How you, how you feel? How are you feeling about everything? <laughs> That's a hard question. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I mentioned earlier that my testimony doesn't look the same as right. it did before um, all of this happened with Nick. And I think I just, naturally, I don't um, tend to feel like I need to think super critically about the church. I just like, had always just accepted like, this is how it is. And this is the language my family speaks. And we just like, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. And um, so Nick definitely popped my bubble. And it, the first year, I think I was just grieving so much. I couldn't really comprehend everything. Just like a year ago, like my bubble started to really pop. And I started to really be like, like Nick said, instead of this binary, I have to like never question and never think critically or be like Nick and you're like out, you're disbelieving, you know, that there's, yeah. you know, but that, that, I, that I could be like, Oh my gosh, I have felt this, you know, like struggles with some things like patriarchy. And I definitely have struggles, you know, with lessons. And, and as I've, as we've been open, as I'm sure you guys have realized, like, I feel like we could do such a better job at having these kinds of conversations and yeah. talking about people who feel marginalized and, we are not doing a good job. And um, so I definitely, I, I feel like I'm, I'm angry often. I don't know how to explain this, but I am grieving another, in another way that I'm like, oh my gosh. I don't know that historical problems have been so much of an issue, but Chelsea's like, is it fair to call you like a social justice warrior type thing? So when you perceive that like Chelsea, 
Chels is the person that you want as a young women's president, or at least in the young women's presidency and award. And she just goes to bat so hard for her young women. And so when she perceives that like the majority of attention that's given to the youth is given to the young men, that like, that's hard for you. Right. Yeah. So there are just, there are things that are coming to, and even, I mean, this is a whole nother topic, but like, even like my sexuality, things that I had never thought too much about, but like the church has definitely like, it is my identity and it, I, I couldn't separate myself from that. And so now with Nick having like popped my bubble and we talk about religion every single day, like every single day we talk about it. I am like constantly changing. And so sometimes it's hard to talk about uh, how we were like a few years ago because so much has happened and so much right. is changing and we're just constantly evolving and progressing or degressing compared like I know some people think we're off the track you know I definitely um go to bed angry a lot as I'm coming to terms with finding my truth and a lot of it like I love the church I feel comfortable at church but the way that I'm reconciling some of these discrepancies is just being vocal so I know people are probably annoyed because we're like everyone's grandchildren in the ward everyone is definitely (laughs) older than us and I'm always like well, we could think about it this way and like spinning the angle of like how we talk about things. Or I know I taught a lesson. We've, we've talked about LGBTQ stuff a lot on this podcast, it seems. But I mean, I taught a lesson where I just stood up there and just like bawled and said, how do you guys deal with this? Like, what do you think about it? You know, and most people didn't even comment. So uncomfortable, you know, but I had a few people like after the class come up to me, but like, I just want to talk about things because they're just there are problems and we need to talk about it. But I know um, when I mentioned that people who are like the believer spouse in the situation are immediately turned off and like, Nick has tainted you, you know, like you, you're you're not a pure, you're not a pure member anymore. So like, I hesitate saying that because I don't want to like discourage people from talking about issues. Yeah. And I don't know that this is like cause and effect, but initially in like, deep in my heart and I wouldn't have said this to you but like learning about problems with the church and me feeling like I was on my way out like I I wanted her on her way out with me like I wanted to stay together and that would make things perfect you know and because (laughs) Chelsea was so understanding and wanting to learn about where I am and and sympathize with me it really put me uh or or like switched me off and like no like I don't I don't want to change her she's being so good like I need to respect who she is and and now to the point even where I am like I would never want you to leave the church because you are so good like you are the person like who goes to church to find other people to serve and then you like spend hours and hours a week figuring out how you can serve or do just some little thing for them and Chelsea's so good inside the church that, like, after her being so understanding for me, like, I feel like the best thing I can do, and, like, you can do whatever you want with your life. We should cut this out. <laughs> but no, you're so beautiful. good. So, anyway, so we're just changing, and it seems like just, yeah, in the dynamic of our ward are different issues, so. Do you want to tell about what happened? Well, yeah, no, I will. You, you're fine with that. But let me just say, I'll, I'll tell a story that Chelsea, hopefully will help you feel less vulnerable in this moment. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, I know this is uncomfortable. Yeah. No, so I mean, yeah. let, me, let me say this and then I'll tell that story. In one way, Nick, uh, you and I kind of realize 
it's too late. It's too late for us to make a big change. We, yeah. we are, we have identified ourselves as outsiders yeah. and, yeah. and really Chelsea and Katie and those in their position are the ones that are going to make the church a better place. And even saying those words, someone that really, really believes is going to go, God, you can't say that the church is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I see, uh, for example, um, on Sunday, I'll tell this story because I'm so proud of Katie for this. We're in, we're in sacrament meeting. The same story that you were saying, Nick, about, about Chelsea and, and, and young women, I feel Katie's primary president. I feel the same way about Katie. So what happened was, is I had asked, I had gotten, um, the girls had earned their Faith in God Award. And I was super excited. And activity days later, brought me their necklaces and said, like, hey, can we recognize these girls? And I said, absolutely, we should do it in sacrament. And so I had asked around to see if that, if that was something that could happen. There was never a response back. And so Sunday we're sitting in church and these two boys get recognized for moving, like moving up in priesthood and they, and they did not earn their faith in God. And these two girls had, there was nothing. And I was so upset. I was just so mad. And I, and, to Katie's credit, sorry to jump in. Yeah. She texted me. Yeah. Knowing that it's it's sometimes difficult to voice from for the believing spouse to recognize hurt or something that they wish could be better. Because you don't want them to dogpile. Because you don't want to be like me, like, oh, 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 we're talking about feminism. Okay, yes, 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 yes. Did you know this? Did you know that? And so she she texted me. We're at, we got four kids in between us on the pew. She texted me and and said, um, I'm really upset about this. And, and I just said, I understand. I love you. I'm sorry. And so I'm like, I'm like texting anyone in the congregation that has their phone with them to like, <laughs> to try and diffuse the situation. And I text one of the mothers whose daughter was supposed to receive her faith in God. And I just said, like, I'm so sorry. I asked for them to recognize them here and they didn't. And I'm, and I'm feeling really bad about it. And so I don't know what we can do about this. And she texts me back and she's like, I am bawling right now because we can talk about gluten-free bread over the pulpit. And yet we can't recognize my daughter for getting her faith in God award. And I, I just like, so I'm having conversations with people during church. I, I, I text activities later who tells me that she got up and left the building because, and went home because she was so mad. And, and I just like, I, I like did not know where to go from there. And so I like got to primary and I like rallied my presidency. I'm like, what do we do about this? And just as we're talking about it, someone came in and said, Hey, I'm just going to, we're just going to go ahead and do it. We're going to do it next week. I think the girl should be recognized. And I was like, thank you. I mean, it was just like, it felt like such a win. That's like where I am with you. Just like, you have to say something because these are things that can't be like swept under the rug anymore. Anyway. You are awesome. I'll get off my soapbox. Why aren't we in the same ward? Why are Why are we neighbors, Chelsea? We're rule breakers. Pretty much. I'll come to your ward this Sunday. 
No, you're speaking in Sacramento. No, you gotta I have to come speak to our work. Oh, you are. Oh, yeah, it's it's kind of like fitting because they're both getting their recognition on Sunday, and I'm speaking. Oh, I, and my whole my topic is how do you prepare these kids to go to young men and young women, and I cannot wait to just like praise those two girls that got their recognition. Like I, oh yeah, those boys, but these girls. <laughs> boys just <laughs> I support you know them. moved up in an advancement they didn't earn faith in god like they didn't do it to me like if there's a boy that does it great i'll recognize him but well nick anyways. we don't have faith in god these us boys right touche that is exactly what you two just shared exactly what i was hoping mm. to to get across is that it may be too late for people like me and and Nick to really make a change because Nick, I'll tell you off air, I've pushed hard and yeah. I'm not the one that sits there with my lips sealed. So I've met with the stake president like 10 times over the last year saying yes. like, we yeah. got to change this. We got to change this. Um, I'll tell you more about that later, but <laughs> um, yeah, I'm interested. So let, let me ask a couple of questions before we, as, as we wrap it up, uh, there's a few questions on this. Uh, on this thread on the mixed faith uh, marriage uh, Facebook group. So one's from Nathan and he, he would like to know why did you want to be so open? I think we probably have have answered that at this point. I think just because we've benefited so greatly um, from other people sharing and being vulnerable. I mean, just like you guys and everything that you're showcasing, there's just so, Yeah we've benefited so much from that. So we just thought in turn, like, let's be vulnerable. What has the response been for your being so open about your relationship through church sponsored channels? Any feedback from, from leadership? No, we really haven't had, I mean, when we moved into this ward, I think our, you know, the stake presidency came over one time. Um, and I think that was probably just cause I don't know. It, our story was kind of coming out as we moved in and we were probably on a, a project list, which we appreciated the effort for sure to come over. Yeah. But we, there really hasn't been anything more higher up than just our local yeah, state leadership. leadership. And, and leadership in, in general has been pretty, pretty positive. There's not, there hasn't been any blowback from being open. Oh, we, so in our Orem ward, we were very open with the bishop because Chelsea was in Young Women's at that point. In our Bountiful ward, we were very open with the, the bishop there. And both of those were phenomenally, yeah, yeah. phenomenal conversations, well-received. So yeah, I know sometimes been, people call it Bishop Roulette. Like, we definitely lucked out. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, our yeah with our bishop here, it's been open, and it's, it's been great. Good. Yeah. yeah. Same here. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. We've never gotten chastised for this podcast or anything like that. It's been very positive. And then this last question is, is a tough one. Sherry asks, how do you feel about the Raz Band's recent broadcast on overcoming doubt? Oh. Um, and has there been any negative feedback from church members who may see Nick's doubt as less legitimate as a result? Man, well, save we, the best for last, right? We oh. did not watch all the way through it. But we watched. You watched a portion. <laughs> Enough, yeah. I we mentioned it earlier. I just feel like we're we could do such a better job with addressing this conversation. And I feel like that fireside. I I don't feel like it served either party well. Yeah. Right. 
I, I personally thought it was a disservice to everyone involved. <laughs> yeah, but. just shifting the blame to the person who's doubting doesn't help resolve their doubts, doesn't help them feel like there is a place. Because everyone's saying, even if you're doubting, there's a place for, for you. You know, we want you here. But, but then conversations like that are very much, you're toxic, you chose to be in this situation. Right. I think it just contributes to the fear-based mindset that we're just afraid of having these difficult conversations and having doubts, even though they're normal. And I mean, so many people are experiencing what we're experiencing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. This is silver lining, silver lining. About four days after uh, Razban's, uh, the Razban's talk, President Uchtdorf spoke at BYU on a similar topic. I actually haven't listened to that yet. No, oh, I haven't either. But Nick, did you shake your head? Yes, you had. Or no, I, I haven't listened to either. But I heard it was much better. Yeah, addressing the similar topic with a much healthier attitude. So, I mean, I think that there's there's definitely a shift. There's room to be room for improvement for sure. Mm-hmm. For those that that are listening to this that did listen to, to Rasband's the Rasband's talk. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to elder Rasband, um, but he spoke with his wife uh, to the Rasband's talk that are on uh, the same, same side of belief as Nick and I, if you feel extremely hurt and very angry about it, <clears throat> just take this for what it is. I did watch the whole thing. I did not, I don't have the emotional reaction like I used to. Yeah. I I remember talks, I would forward Katie a talk that said, I just listened to this and I'm at work and I'm shaking. I, I, I'm, I'm crying and I'm, I'm wiping tears and I can't breathe because of how upsetting this talk is. The talk by the Razvans was just as bad or if not worse than some of these other talks. But it's, so for those that are, are feeling that anger, just bear with us, give yourself some time. It's okay to feel that it gets better. It doesn't mean that you don't care in the end. I still care very deeply and think that things could be improved, but it gets better. You're not going to be hurting forever. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. We want to give you the last word. We thank you very much. I know it's, it's now going into, at least for when you're above 35 years old, it's to the late hours now at 1045. <laughs> We're not that The night is young. <laughs> We're not that old. <laughs> Um, we were up till like two o'clock last night. <laughs> oh, we can never do that. We yeah. can't do that anymore. We want to give you the last word. Any anything else about your story or any last words of either wisdom or stupidity you'd like to share with our, our listeners? <laughs> Navigating a situation like this is is tough. It has been very tough. I'd say we're in a very healthy situation right now, but it's it's been hard to get here. I think it would be easy for someone maybe who's fresh in this situation to maybe hear about um, our story and think, well, the only way they made it through is because they must have had a solid marriage to begin. Like they were just, you know, hitting on all cylinders. And because their marriage was so strong, they were able to pull it off. Something I would maybe share is like, we, like, early on in our marriage, like we, like we had some rough goes. If you like completely taking away LDS, you know, and faith and all of that, like it was an adjustment for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, it was. Um, going through all of this, you know, I, I just remember, I don't know, being in social situations and coming home and us being like, why would you act that way? Or why would you say this? Or, you know, you know just new things in a marriage. Double date. 
we just yeah, getting, kind of yeah, getting used yeah. to this person like you're with them all the time now um going through a faith transition i feel like and i think you feel like this too almost enabled us to let go of that perfect expectation of our spouse and instead of judging them that oh you're this you're this magical prince that i knew i was going to marry and everything you do is going to be perfect according to my standards i think it really opened that cracked that egg open and we really started to see each other for who we really are and accept each other for who we are and to have no expectations other than i love you and I want to understand what you're doing and what's best for you. So I would, I would say that our marriage is where it is now and is as good and as strong as it is right now, I, almost because of this faith transition that we've gone through. We've bonded so much and it's really brought us closer together. So, uh, and I guess I would share that to say, you know, if, if you find yourself in a similar situation, you don't have to have a perfect marriage to barely, you know, squeak through at the finish line, like this can be something that really brings you closer together. You have the opportunity to, to sympathize and really understand and see your spouse as they are rather than as you hope they would be. And so it's, it's been a, I don't know that we would be like, let's do it again. No, <laughs> But I don't think we would take it back. And I yeah. think it's, it's I, been Nick really has asked good. me that several times and every time it's just like, no, of course not. Like, yeah, it has been very beneficial. It's just given us permission to love each other deeply and in a more real way, like the imperfections and also yeah. upped our communication game because we had to, you know? Yeah, um, yeah for sure. But I, I also appreciate this podcast that you're getting both sides. I know a lot of podcasts just focus often on the faith promotion side. And so I just really appreciate that we're diving more into like Nick's side and perspective because I think that's just as valuable as yeah. even though once again, you are the superhero of the story. Yeah. <laughs> Nick and Chelsea, thank you so much for taking the time to, to join us here on marriage on a tightrope. I know that we're going to get great feedback from this. I'll make sure to forward it to you when we do. And uh, Katie, would you like to say anything last to say goodbye to our friends yeah it was great <laughs> thank you so much for doing it i would have talked more about i i've been like sick for three days now and so i'm like oh i'll just sit next to you and do the you look pretty in uh, no <laughs> no makeup nothing uh, if you'd like to reach out to us you can reach us at marriage on a tightrope at gmail.com also on instagram at marriage, marriage on a tightrope uh add me on facebook I need more friends. I'm not maxed out. And that's how I derive value. Uh, Alan Mount on Facebook. Katie, and I'm help? not on Facebook. No, so you're not. So don't try. Don't try to find me. <laughs> um, and we just, this was a great interview. So thank you so much. And we will see you again later. Well, it's all an adventure that comes with a breathtaking view. Walking a tightrope.
with you.